Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope, including our worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Associate Pastor Eli Morris. Hey, we are in a series uh, here at Hope that we're calling Growth, God Raising Our Will to His. And we're looking at God's work of growth in us through the lens of plant growth. Now, Patty's birthday was this past week, and I went out and bought her some flowers on Wednesday. Now, wives, before you conclude that I'm a great husband who brings flowers to his wife consistently, and that your husband is an inconsiderate loser (laughs) who needs to be more like me, rest assured, that if your husband is in fact an inconsiderate loser, he is already like me, okay? Because see, I'm horrible about bringing flowers home. Patty will tell you that. Tragically, it never really enters my mind. But on Wednesday, I actually brought flowers home. And I got to admit that this series has made me pay more attention to flowers and to plants and even to the vegetables in the produce section. And I've loved learning more about plants as I've learned more about my own spiritual life. Today I wanna talk about two things, the complexity of the garden and the diversity of the garden. First of all, the complexity of the garden. And my first thought is this, much like a garden doesn't just happen, a Jesus follower's growth doesn't just happen. You know, every once in a while, you'll find a, a random plant sprout up in your yard. I've had, I've had acorns drop into my rain gutters, and in the summer, I'd look up, and I'd, I'd see a little oak tree starting to grow in my rain gutter. But that's, that's random. Every summer at Young Life Camp, when I was on staff, we'd have a barbecue up on a hill one night with a barbecue chicken, corn on the cob, and this, this hot fruit compote that was just awesome. And we'd end the meal with slices of watermelon that always turned into a seed spitting competition. Then two weeks later, they're back at the barbecue that, that, that night, there'd be little watermelon vines that were peeking out of the grass. Pretty random. There's no real strategy there, was there? And I might mention my little oak trees and my watermelon vines never came to anything. But to plot out and plan and execute a garden, it takes work, doesn't it? The same is true of our growth as Jesus followers. You can read in 2 Peter 1, this process. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. This is the process I was speaking of. Add to your faith goodness and to your goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, 
and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's quite a process laid out there. Peter is saying there, there, here are a few things that you might do to move from a seed of faith to a, to a fruit-bearing plant of faith. Our growth process as Jesus followers doesn't just happen. Here's, here's a second thought. As believers, we all need the same thing to grow. We all need the same thing to grow. We're gonna watch a clip from one of our horticulturist friends in a little while, and it will remind us of the things that a, that a plant needs to thrive. And none of that is news to you. Water, sunlight, nutrients, uh, air, space to grow. Paul encourages the same for us as Jesus followers when he says this in Colossians 2, 7. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Now this next passage has come up and it will always come up when one is talking about spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. It too is from 1 Peter chapter two. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Peter is saying, be like a newborn who is determined, determined to be fed. Uh, I mean, it's like a feeding frenzy. When, when we had our three kids, they were looking for nutrients. Have you, have you ever seen a field of sunflowers follow the path of the sun all day? It's fascinating, especially if you see it in like a time-lapse photography. What are they doing? They're drawing from the sun. What is it that is our water, our sunlight, our rich soil as Jesus followers? Well, God's word for one, prayer for another, gathering as believers, serving. Those things are, are, are common needs of all Jesus followers if we want to grow. But here's something very important. God knows our individual needs best. God knows our individual needs best. So while, while plants all pretty much need the same thing to grow, the good gardener knows what each particular plant might need or what it might not need as much of. If you know anything about Pastor Jessica, my daughter-in-law, you know that Jess is cactus crazy. She has cacti all over her house. Now that, that particular plant, as you know, needs very little water. If you, if you water a cactus, like you water uh, cattails, for instance, you'll kill it. If you plant fescue seed in a Memphis yard that has direct sun all day, it will not make it. In the same way that if you plant Bermuda grass under your big, beautiful oak trees, it's not gonna make it. God knows us so very well that he is able to provide us with just the perfect food and the perfect climate in which to grow. Look at, look at these passages. Jesus says this in John 10. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Jesus says, I know them, 
I know them in the same way that a shepherd knew his sheep. He knew just exactly what to feed them and how much water they needed to thrive. He knew the sort of location where they, they felt safe. Jesus knows everything about us as well. Paul writes in Philippians 4, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And, and listen to this verse. This is Jesus talking. Here's how well he knows us. Luke 12, 6 and 7. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many, many sparrows. I don't know about you, I can't tell one sparrow from another one. They all look exactly the same to me, but you know what? God can tell the difference. Not one is forgotten. And when it comes to us, the very hairs on our head are numbered. In that regard, God is using a subtraction much, much more and more each day for me. But he, but he knows this very second, the number of hairs on my head, the number of hairs on your head. So there, there are a few thoughts on the complexity of the garden and most particularly the complexity of our individual spiritual growth plans. The bottom line is that God knows us so well that he knows our spiritual strengths and our weaknesses. If I've got a spectacular prayer life, but I spend zero time looking at God's word, then God's growth plan for me is not to increase my prayer life particularly, but maybe to introduce me to a Bible study of some sort. If I am super about being involved in church, but never, never even consider serving anyone outside the church, God's not gonna encourage me to join 10 more groups at Hope, but rather to find some way I can serve with, with Oasis of Hope or, or Neighborhood Christian Center or, or Streets Ministries outside of Hope somewhere. Now let's talk about the diversity of the garden. I believe that the family of faith is like an abundant garden. Have, have you ever been to a garden that was designed to reflect the diversity of plants in the area? It's, it's amazing to me. It's planned, it's, it's artistic. If you've never been to, to Memphis Botanic Gardens or in Audubon Park or to Dixon Gardens right across the street from Memphis Botanic on Park Avenue, you need to. It really is like walking into a piece of art. I believe that the, that the kingdom of God is a piece of art too. It's beautiful in its diversity. We are a garden of all sorts of people. Paul describes it best in Galatians 3 when he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That is an abundant garden. But today I'd like for us to take a moment to consider the weeds. I want you to listen once again to Dr. Chris Cooper from UT Extension as he talks about weeds. Listen to this. Jesus seemed to indicate sometimes it takes a trained eye mm. to see weeds along with wheat because sometimes they can grow together. Right. So weeds are nature's wildflowers. 
<laughs> okay, so it just depends on how you look at it, yeah. you know, in my opinion. Now, the reason why people do not care that much for weeds is this. So weeds compete for the same things that your desirable plants want, ah. okay? Your desirable plants want what? Light, they want moisture, they want nutrients, they want space, and they want air. Well, guess what weeds want? <laughs> they want the same thing, right? Yeah. So they're pretty much competing you know, for, for those elements. Now, again, going back to what I said earlier, so weeds are nature's wildflower. We as humans are the ones who call them weeds. Uh, Nature meant for the weeds to be there, okay? Now, some of you weeds have beautiful flowers, just like some of your ornamental plants right. do. So it's gonna be left up to you, right, and your trained eye, whether you want those weeds in your garden as wildflowers with your ornamental plants. Right, so I always let that decision uh, be made by the homeowner. Again, they're gonna compete for the same thing, but if that weed looks beautiful to you in your garden, then you keep it. You know, who am I to tell you get rid of that weed? Right? Exactly. It's your decision whether you wanna you know, do that or not. But understand that that weed is gonna to try to compete with your desirable plants for those things that I just talked about. Now, I'll be honest with you. That interview kind of messed me up a little bit. It really made me think. It made me think because I've always considered weeds to be nothing but a bad thing. Like you said, weeds compete for all the things that your ornamental plants or your flowers or your vegetables need. I, I, I even used this passage a couple of weeks ago when I spoke about the parable of the sower. Remember this in Mark 4? Some seeds fell in the weeds. As it came up, it was strangled among the weeds and nothing came of it. I mean, weeds can just take over and left unchecked can be so very destructive. You know, if you're from the South, you've seen what kudzu does, right? I read this week that in good conditions, a kudzu vine can, can grow a foot a day. Man, you stay out in the field for a little while, you're gonna get covered up. But then Dr. Cooper introduces this idea that weeds are nature's wildflowers. Interesting, right? And, and we've all seen those too. Acres of beautiful wildflowers on the side of the highway or, 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 or in random fields in the mountains. Obviously, those are God's handiwork too, right? And this week I was reminded of these words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They, they don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers, for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And so what do I take from all that? I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm still processing it. But I'm kind of leaning toward thinking that both have something to teach me. That, that weeds that stunt my spiritual growth. Now, if you recall, Jesus defines those weeds as worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things there in Mark 4. If those kinds of things, those weeds, do that to me, then they need to be removed from my life. And that the beautiful, refreshing wildflower weeds 
that I encounter along the highway serve as a reminder that God has planted those beautiful weeds and that if he cares for those weeds, how much more does he care for me? I'm still thinking that through. One more thought. There is beauty in diversity. There is beauty in diversity. Let's listen to our friend Dale Skaggs, who's the director of horticulture at Dixon Gardens. Listen. How important is it for trees or plants to be around other plants in order for them to grow? There are certain symbiotic relationships that certain plants have with, with other plants. In general, a plant wants to survive and it's gonna grow, grow on its own. Um, you know, the fact that plants are in, interacting with other plants is where I like to intervene because that's where design comes in, is where the interface of plant A and plant B, this one has this attractive feature at this time of year, this has an attractive feature at this time of year, let's put these together, let's see how well they work. So as gardeners, we end up sort of guiding them in the direction that we want them to go, so to speak. So if I'm hearing you correctly, plants are sort of fiercely independent, but in the overall scheme and picture of the vine dresser or the gardener, they will put together certain plants uh, in order to uh, beautify uh, a particular place. Yes. I believe that God has put us together, those who gather in this room and those who watch today. I believe that God has put us together to beautify Memphis. And I sincerely mean that. I, I think that y'all are beautiful. You're, you're certainly beautiful as individuals, but you're even more breathtaking as this diverse garden of men and women and boys and girls, people, people of all ages and genders and races and ethnicities and histories and victories and traumas. Never forget the traumas, right? because they are part of our growth process too. Let me close with a passage that is a favorite of Pastor Rufus. It's, it's, a, it's a part of his vision, my vision, our vision for this garden we call hope. It's from Revelation chapter seven. John the Revelator is, is describing a vision of our eternal future as Jesus followers. When he writes, after this I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud, loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And be assured that this diverse garden that is hope has much to give to a world that is so divided these days. God can use this garden to be a part of a beautiful solution in our city, in our nation, in our world. But I will go back to my first point today. Much like a garden doesn't just happen, a Jesus follower's growth doesn't just happen either. We must participate in God's growth process in our lives. How do you plan to do that? How do you plan to do that? You got some seeds that need to be planted in your life. 
some weeds to get rid of in your life. You need to make some adjustments in your life to, to move from darkness into God's healing sunlight. What do you need to do? Because we want this garden to be beautiful, not for our glory, but for his, the gardener's glory. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that you are the master gardener, that you are the one that makes things grow in our lives. But Father, I thank you that you allow us to participate in that. And Father, I pray for all of us today that we might examine the garden that is our lives and see what, what needs to be added. What seeds need to be planted in our, in our lives that are healthy, that need to grow? What, what are the weeds we need to remove? Father, what are the nutrients? What can we find in this, in this, in this world to, to enrich us? Perhaps your word, perhaps a, a prayer, perhaps a living in fellowship with one another will allow us to grow and to be beautiful. And Father, I do thank you for the diversity that is Hope Church. I thank you for that a celebration of your grace in our lives so that we might be a, a, a beacon on a hill. Father, I thank you that, um, that you care about us, that you care about our city, that you care about our nation and our world, and that, Father, we are humbled that you use us to be gardens of grace. Thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Oppenheisen, Musical Worship Director at Hope. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship experience, visit us online at hopechurchmemphis.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Again, thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast.